episode number 10. Yeah. We have Fantastic. Hit the 10th episode. That is 10 weeks of dribbling utter crap to various people in the motorsport industry. 10 weeks of dribbling crap to each other. Yeah. And 10 weeks of people listening and supporting us dribbling crap. Yeah. I think that's fantastic. Oh, man, it's incredible. And, and you know what? What has surprised me the most, like the amount of people that are actually watching, like it has been really cool. People ringing up, even some people that I don't even know personally saying, hey, that podcast is really, really cool. It's about time. I'm like, I thought everyone did this sort of stuff, you know, like we're just jumping on the bandwagon. But, yeah, it's, it's really good. And it's, um, it's cool that we, we're doing our 10th podcast talking to like a certifiable local legend, you know, like it's cool. Yeah. So that legend is Laura Burns. We have departed from the circuit racing for this week. Um, Cause of course we're not just all about circuit racing, but there's so much in every category. Uh, she is currently behind the number 44 late model sedan in uh, the Red Shamrock Racing Team. And she joins us for episode number 10. So joining us is Laura Burns. How are you doing tonight? Really well, thank you. I've been waiting a while to come on here, so <laughs> thank you for having me. That's fine. Look, 10 episodes in and... Uh, you know, special episode number 10, so probably the perfect guest to have on board. Um, now, I did a bit, bit of a quick introduction. You are driving a late model sedan at the moment, uh, well, when racing resumes. Yeah. <laughs> um, what we didn't tell people is that you are a human resources consultant. You are studying Juris Doctor. Yep. You have been racing for, well, since you're 11 which yep. means this is your 15th year racing. So you are 26 years old and you have done all of that. All I'm going to say is we are not worthy. Thank you for <laughs> welcome to yeah. the episode of Behind the Sport. <laughs> yeah, I think I don't know what it means to, um, to slow down. I, I like being very busy, I guess, um, <laughs> with how much I tend to always have on my plate. But, you know, you only live once and it's important to do all the things that um, yeah, that you, you want to try or, or want to give a go. So, yeah, that's why I've got such an array of things in my life. <laughs> and, of course, that insane trophy collection behind you, which we'll talk about a bit later. Um, but, um, you yeah, like know, we've had the Brad Jones racing mob on, you know, like Nick Percat, Madeline Stewart, Joshua Fife, And um, I suppose you can forgive Josh a little bit because he wasn't at his house. But, um, yeah, none of them have had that impressive collection behind you. Um, next week we've actually got Brad Jones joining us, so we're gonna find out if he's actually got a really big trophy collection or if he's just gonna, you know, I don't know actually where he's gonna be for his interview. He'll dial in from a gym for sure. He is definitely on a mission to lose weight. He's dialing in from a gym. Oh yeah. So um, look, starting at eleven years old, and I'm going to mention this. This was brought up. Um, you've been called. Every father's dream daughter and every father's worst nightmare. Ten years old and you wanted to go racing. How did that conversation go with your dad? Um, well, I guess, yeah, if I start at the start, um, I'm a country girl, grew up in Kalgoorlie. Um, that's where my dad was born as well. And we just used to go to the speedway. There's something to do on a Saturday night. Um, one day a couple years ago, they said that they were looking for interested in races at year 10. Um, I was 10 at the time, so we were in the back of his ute and I was like, Dad, this is the sport that I want to do. And he was like, no, that's not at all what you want to do. Um, <laughs> and, you know, he took me to motocross, took me to go-karts to try and convince me to, to try something else and, you know, probably something a little less expensive. <laughs> but, yeah, um, said, no, this is really what I want to do and I'm going to stick to it. Um, and, yeah, a year later when I was 11, got my first car and, um, you know, I'm still going now. So you can't say I'm not dedicated. <laughs> I guess at 10 years old, you know, a lot of, a lot of kids are in that stage of, 
you know, yeah, I want to do this. And then a week later, yeah, I want to do this. And it's a, to yeah. have that mindset of, yep, no, that's it. That's what I want to do. Yeah, 10 years old. Yeah. I mean, that must have been a bit of a shock to your dad. I think so. And I mean, I very much was like that, you know, I tried doing basketball at some stage and, you know, I don't know why that didn't work out. Um, I did karate, dancing, um, you name it. I, I tried it. I even wanted to do like um, horse riding for a time there, which I think, you know, every girl goes through, but then um, went to a different kind of horsepower. And yeah, I just absolutely love it. Um, I know I talk about it a fair bit, um, but for me, it's a sport that, you know, it doesn't matter what size you are, your height, your weight, anything like that. Once you're strapped in the car and the helmet's on, you are the same as everyone else. And um, yeah, you know, the late model uh, I absolutely um, makes me look like a dwarf, but <laughs> it's um, it's really great to be out there and to, um, yeah, show what, what we can do and that size really doesn't matter. So. Yeah, look, I... Obviously, I met you for the first time this year. We did a, you came along for a women in motorsport interview, which was, um, went down really well and was, you know, fantastic to meet you and chat, you know, both on camera and off camera with regards to a few things. And it was, I was shocked when you walked in <laughs> and I don't think I told you this at the time because, you know, like I was trying to keep you all calm and, you know, but I was just like, holy hell, there's this like, tiny woman that's just wandered into my <laughs> office uh yeah and then into the studio to do this whole chat and you drive the late models and they're massive like they're <laughs> huge and yeah. as you say you know, you it doesn't matter what size or anything you know once you're in that car that's it yeah you know, and you know you've you've been showing that you know you've got some some of your highlights i guess would be you know in your um, WA state title in 2017, uh, ninth overall, uh, 2016 national title, uh, first woman, uh, I believe. Yep. Um, you know, and then, yeah, I think that's amazing. Like, that's just, you know, um, I try not to fanboy when I like read, <laughs> look at some of these achievements that some of our people get and, you know, it's, um, it's just, yeah, it is amazing, you know, but back to the early days. So 11 years old, you finally get your car. How did that go? Um, well, I guess I didn't really know what I was in for. So I only learned to drive like two weeks prior to, um, to my first race. And this was in a, um, you know, Toyota troop carrier on the fire brakes in Kalgoorlie. I'm sitting on a bag of fertilizer and dad's trying to teach me the gears. And obviously the gears in that kind of car are completely different to a, a Daihatsu charade. You've got to go through a fair few. Um, and yeah, so I jumped in on my first race meeting, incredibly nervous. And, you know, the nerves are still there. I still get um, so nervous, but that's kind of half the fun, I reckon. Um but yeah, I had this idea, as I'm sure many um, first-time racers go through, that you know, I'm going to go out there, I'm going to win, I'm going to absolutely dominate, and I think I got lapped at least three times. Um, so that dream came crashing down, and I came back to earth. But um, you couldn't wipe that smile off my face. I was just so stoked to be out there. Um, back then, we didn't have many girls competing, so um, I guess I didn't sort of realize at the time that um, that actually is a championing change um but it was really really great to be part of it and um yeah even if I did pretty awful um yeah I just it's still one of my favorite memories so yeah one of one of our first guests was Antonio <laughs> Cutie and I bought this up again last week and I'm going to bring it up again and yeah Antonio, oh it's relevant for this it it's so much harder Antonio yeah. You need to listen to the. You need to listen to what Laura just said. So Antonio, in his first race, was about to get lapped, and instead of going, "Yeah, I'm just going to push through," he was like, "No, nah, I don't want to have it on the record books that I've been lapped." So he pulled off into the pits in his very first race and retired before he could be lapped. <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> now, hearing that, you got lapped three times. What kept you out on the track? I think, I mean, you have to start somewhere. Um, and that's also what I'm keeping in my mind um, with late models. Um, you have to start somewhere. So if you're not getting those laps, um, if you're not learning from as the cars are passing you to, you know, follow their line or, or follow what they're doing in corners, you're not going to learn. Um, and yet, you know, getting lapped, you're still learning. Um, you're still perfecting your craft. And 
yeah, definitely taking that um, into the late models because I'm getting laps now. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's it's um, humbling, I think, as well, coming from um, proddies into these such fast cars now. Um, but yeah, I'm just very excited. And yeah, it's funny to see where I've come from to where I am now. So yeah. So where after your first outing and you obviously got, you know, came back down to earth, where, what did you do next to start getting more experience and to, you know, stop being lapped? For, for us, um, so because I started when I was in year six, um, I only did a couple years um, in Cal before moving um, for high school. So with that, it then allowed me to race at other tracks. We didn't travel much um, when I lived in Cal. So when we moved to Perth, we started going to Kellebear and to Ellenbrook. We started doing the state titles. Um, and I mean, my first, my first title uh, was down in Margaret River. Um, and I remember watching people like uh, Travis Castagna and um, yeah, just they, they were idols for me. Um, but they were super fast as well. And so I was able to see that actually I've got a lot of work to do um, if I want to be any good. Um, so, yeah, it was just keep keep doing those laps. And if it meant I got lapped, it meant I got lapped. But at least then I could see what those front cars were doing. Um, and through that, um, you know, I graduated from um, the lower juniors to the higher juniors, um, got to go over to um, New Zealand to race as well. So that was really good as captain of Team Australia. Um, we didn't win. Uh, but Where we did you race in New Zealand? Yeah, yep, um, with the mini stocks. So they're totally different. I mean, the gear sticks between your legs and you're trying to manoeuvre and oh, um, yeah. they've got the stop starts. Um, so you're not doing a rolling lap. You're going as soon as that light's green, which is really um, different as well, but really good experience. And, yeah, all of that was, um, uh, I guess, motivation to keep to keep going and keep improving and, and learning from, from the people that are um, uh, getting faster laps than me. Um, still keen to beat them so <laughs> some of the i mean the brad jones uh races that we've had on they've obviously got a team and you know they've been able to bounce you know like say for instance madeline coming up she's been able to bounce off you know people like nick Percat and learn you know what goes on with you know with the bigger models and the you know like the next step up in this series you know from like the super twos to supercars and that for you, did you have any opportunity to sit with other drivers or other teams and, you know, maybe have them go through your data and help you out a bit? Or was it purely just yourself, your dad and, you know, whoever was involved with your team helping you to, to improve? Um, if I'm honest, it probably mostly has just been um, dad and I. Um, so that, that is our team. That's Red Shamrock Racing. Um, I probably should have taken more advantage of, of opportunities that I had to work with other teams. Um, but that's sort of, whenever we've needed help, we've asked for it and we've always had really good relationships with the other drivers and the other teams to be able to find out what we need to know. Um, Cause yeah, from, from the get go in juniors, we, we're a brand new team. I'm a first generation racer. So we really had to rely on um, the other teams out there um, and then providing the right information. You know, some people do give you a bum steer, but we're, um, we're a bit better at working out what is uh, real and, and not real now. Um, and reality is, is, is most people do give us the right information um, because, yeah, you know, if you're giving someone the wrong information, we're all on the same track. And, you know, if someone's giving me information that's going to lead me into the wall, potentially I'm going to drag someone with me. So, um, yeah, everyone's really looking after us now, um, which is really, really nice. And, um, yeah, I try and be nice to everyone. <laughs> so hopefully, um, yeah, it's it's good to build on on the knowledge we have, and we're really grateful for the teams out there that have provided us with the the right info. So, in terms of being the first generation racer, the a lot of you know in Speedway, there's a lot of history with certain families. Um, you know, it's across racing and motorsport in general. Have you found it a little bit? different in terms of like you know people coming up and saying oh you know was your grandfather a racer and then it's like no I'm the first you know is that sort of been a something that's been discussed a lot or is that you know just everyone just really doesn't care and it's like yeah cool we've got a brand new racing family yeah I think um a lot of people think my dad used to race um he had a go a couple of years back um with me uh he did beat me <laughs> <laughs> um but yeah he hasn't raced um and I think yeah, it, it can be um, 
I guess, surprising that, uh, yeah, I've just jumped into the sport of my own accord and my own um, determination, and that's why I've stuck with it. But um, I think that's um, really unique and part of my story. And um, I really hope that, yeah, for other young girls out there or young boys as well that, you know, might be sitting in the sidelines watching Speedway that, you know, you don't have to be from a racing family. Anyone can jump in. Um, but I know in juniors it was something that I struggled with um, in, in the early days because uh, obviously, yeah, you've got quite long-standing families that have all that information um, and, you know, they hit the track and they've already won the championship kind of thing. They're really, really good um, and not coming with that kind of knowledge was a bit hard and I kind of struggled for if, um, you know, if I was worthy to, to keep racing. Um, I'm an only child as well, so I don't have um, siblings that have potentially gone in it. But, um, yeah, I think it's it's all really good and I don't feel like I'm not worthy to be racing now. I feel like I've earned my place um, and worked really hard to get where I am. So. so what have been in the last 15 years a couple of your real highlights in your racing? Um, I think probably jumping into proddies. My first few years in there were really amazing. Um, I took a bit of time off after juniors um, before jumping into, into proddies. I wasn't sure if I wanted to continue racing straight out of high school, so it was good to have a little break. Um, but, yeah, within my first year, I became um, – well, in my rookie season in Proties, I became the track championship at the Motorplex, or champion, sorry, at the Motorplex, um, the first female to do so, and the second in um, Motorplex history books following um, uh, Veronica McCann. So it's awesome to be racing with her in that regards too. Um, but, yeah, through through the Proties, it was kind of a snowball effect. So um, I got scholarships through my university, um, scholarships through Lane Beachley Foundation. Um, I got some really good um, marketing partners in um, Australia-wide. Um, so all of that kind of had this spiral effect um, and really kept me determined and I, I got some really good results um, in that time. So that was probably my highlight, just that you, your success kind of builds on each other um, and I'm really hoping to get into that momentum again. So, <laughs> yeah. 2015 Albany State title. Oh no! <laughs> <laughs> I, don't, I don't. I don't like to to bring up yeah you know, a lot of the badder side of motorsport, but it, it's still you know part of the history, part of your history. Yeah. Um, tell us about that. So that was sort of the. Um, the, the, the positive snowball that I was talking about, that was sort of the end of that snowball. Um, everything was kind of leading up to that title and I really, really thought I had a chance. Um, you know, I was at like the peak of my fitness for that. The car was top of its game. Um, but yeah, we we struggled straight from leaving Perth. We um, uh, lost a wheel on our trailer on the way there. Um, then in the practice sessions, we had some trouble. Um, had some trouble in one of my heats and we missed one heat made it out for the last one um said to dad though you know do we just want to call it quits for the night because we really really pushed ourselves but we're like no we'll get out there um got out there and this is when I used to love running the high line um it was always one of my strengths to be able to do that and used to pave my own own line out there but then I got fenced um and I was devastated and I don't want to cry <laughs> but um yeah it just absolutely sucked and um I have put the footage up of that because I think that emotion behind it is really important. Um, wow, I can't believe I'm still upset about it. <laughs> but, um, yeah, you know, that, that is racing sometimes and, and that heartbreak um, is really important because it does keep you motivated. Um, but, yeah, it was just, just a bit rough, a rough run, as we all know that's, that's racing sometimes. But, um, yeah, we still rebuilt from that and still had um, quite a few, few good runs following. Um, in, in titles as well. It wasn't the end of it all. Um, and I don't well, give up. Yeah, I mean, look, 2016 was when you, you know, first woman in the national titles. So, you know, to, to go from, I guess, such a low point to such a high point. Yeah. Yeah. Know, so obviously, I mean, in the time following that, you know, were you obviously like, that's it, like, want to stop? Or was it like, you know what? it sucks it happens I want to get back out there and you know like it wasn't my fault but let's just you know let's just get better again and yeah. come back next year stronger 
that's it. Um, for me, the biggest thing is knowing the cause of um, an accident so it doesn't happen again. So with something like that, um, you know, I'm, I'm a bit of a perfectionist, so I have <laughs> overanalyzed the situation. Um, but yeah, I know what, what to do differently um, next time and things like that. So it, it hasn't been a deterrent. Um, and yeah, my results following that um, speak to that as well. Even, you know, the the last title I did in Prodies, I think it was 2018 up in Broome. Um, that's the best result I've ever had in a title. Um, so yeah, didn't didn't want to give up. And any setback I have, it always is just more motivation really. Um, like, yeah, it, it sucks when, when things don't go to plan, but that's life and that's racing. And yeah, you can either, you know, curl up in a ball and cry in your room or you can get back out there work on the race car build a better engine get better gear yeah it's it's your choice so and it's amazing that you say that because i think every guest we've had so far has had something like that happen to them you know whether it's been you know shunted into a wall and flipped on their side and you know chassis broken in that like there's been some amazing um accidents and every single driver has almost the next day jumped back in some form of motorsport and gone racing again and you know that that just shows I guess the you know the determination and um you know I guess mental strength on that side of things that you know a lot of motorsport competitors have that I think a lot of people wouldn't realize um you know that that's there um you know personally you know last year I had an accident in Malaysia ended up upside down in a taxi on mm. on a freeway and um yeah it was quite terrifying um and i still have a lot of issues being a passenger in a car never mind doing what i did yesterday which was to jump in a tesla and be thrown around the uh driver development course out near the airport um with you know just insane and I think I did three laps and I tapped out so <laughs> I'm pretty happy but I was just like yeah you guys are just amazing that you can just go yep it's happened I'm going to grow from it and jump back in that car and off you go again and that's pretty damn cool well I say with rollovers um the best thing you can do like in, in motorsport is to fix it up and go out in the next heat and <laughs> I know we've done that a couple of times um like pending everything's okay and you're not injured obviously but um yeah, it's all part of it. Yep. Yeah, that's, that's one thing about Speedway that um, blows me away compared to circuit, the wrecks that you have and how quick people turn stuff around um, on the night, let alone to to drive out to a country track the next weekend. Yeah. Man, it's, it's incredible. It really is. Yeah, don't underestimate duct tape and um, cable ties. <laughs> yeah. Oh, and just determination and skill, you know. Like, yeah. yeah. Grit, whatever you want to call it. So, beginning of this year, um, everyone was all full steam ahead and I think Motorplex only had a few rounds left to go. But how has the interruption affected you guys with, you know, preparation for, say, the coming season? Um, you know, uncertainty about when racing will happen again like how have you guys been get, dealing with that yeah I think the the hardest bit for us is that we um yeah we just wanted to do a couple of the pro series rounds to see um how the car was and then do the whole development series which is Kellebaron and Ellenbrook um but yeah with COVID that's kind of chucked all that out the window and, and that was going to be the key learning time for me um so it, I mean Twofold, it's great because we've been able to spend a bit more time with the car, taking it apart, um, realising, you know, what needs work, what doesn't, um, which is in pieces at the moment and I need to put it back together this weekend. Um, <laughs> no pressure. But um, the flip of that is without having the full development um, rounds is I'm going to be back in the Pro Series, um, which I'm going to be a bit nervous for. But, you know, there's, there's still half a year before that hits. So, um yeah, it's just learning time, but again, you have to start somewhere. So I'm just excited to be back on the track in any way, shape, or form, <laughs> as I think we all are. So, yeah, look, I mean, I'm not obviously a racer, but I'm thoroughly looking forward to, yeah, that that smell of motorsport, um, which I didn't get yesterday, but 
with the electric car. There was just no smell of it. Of course, yeah. Um, no, you got chip oil. There was chip oil though, because they do run off. They they charge the they charge this car, so it's really cool. Um, there's going to be going to have a big feature out soon, but it's basically they have a diesel generator that's been repurposed to run off veggie oil, and the veggie oil then charges a Hyundai Kona, and in the back of the Hyundai Kona, they've actually got a charging station, which they then plug into their rally car, tarmac rally car, to recharge the tarmac rally car so the only smell you get out of this whole thing is fish and chip oil being burnt <laughs> it's like mm, this is really tasty so but it's not the same it's not as enjoyable as the motorsport smell but um now give me a, a hot hot oily engine and some burnt glycol any day yeah yeah so um now behind you you have a simulator um what have you been doing on that simulator? Like, what sort of racing have you been doing? I have been trying very hard to be good at sim racing, and I am yet to get there. Um, <laughs> oh, man. Have you been doing dirt track stuff? or? Yeah, so it's mostly um, Eldora and with the late model, and I've heard that late models are one of the hardest things to do on They're sim. Impossible. Yeah, so... Um, yeah, I'm not that good. I wish I was. I'd love to do the Motorplex series, but um, yeah, until I can do a few consistent laps, it's um, it's just going to be me on there in the practice sessions. <laughs> Look, um, I think I've sort of given up after racing on one of the Racecraft sim rigs. Um, yeah, suddenly in my rig at home, just saying. <laughs> it just doesn't make sense, though, that it's harder than a real race car. Like, oh man, it is. It is, and it gets addictive. And I really like. I've been doing a lot of the oval stuff on mine, and um, I still can't master a sprint car on it. And it just cheeses me off because it is so <laughs> difficult. Um, even the legends, man. I don't know if you tried the legends on um, no the dirt legends. Oh man, they're incredible little cars. Yeah. I think it just proves if I lived in the states, I would. Um, my wife would hate it because. Yeah, I just I'd probably be in a caravan at a dirt track getting annoyed because I can't master these little cars <laughs> they have. They have so many different series. Um, but there's there's some good um good sim guys out there, especially locally in the like the series at the motorplex. Um you got um oh, what's his name? Kieran from the speed cars. He's a ripper on the sim, uh, as well as in the speed car. Like yeah, it must be just that they must once it clicks, it must get all right, but yeah, I just get a bit too overzealous and fence myself every single time. It's Rex. Now, speaking of the United States, um, an interview with you many years ago had that as one of your goals was to end up over at the United States. Is that still a goal for you? It certainly is, yeah. Um, I'd love to be able to to crew for a team um, to start with, to, to learn more about the late models. Um, I guess, yeah, my dream was like a three-step process. So number one was getting late model. So I am one step in. Um, but yeah, I'd like to, I'd like to crew initially to understand, um, yeah, more about how it all works and what to adjust when things um, aren't going to plan. And then, yeah, I'd love um, once I'm a bit more consistent and um, have that, that power behind me, I'd love to go race over there. Um, yeah. You know, I feel like, uh, I'm getting a bit older, but I'm not as old as many other people racing. So I think there's still time. Um, it's still on the list. So, yeah. No, uh, and Speedway is one of those sports as well. You look, you look at the age of some of the pro drivers. Like there's some real rippers that are, are very young, but compared to say Formula cars, some of the the circuit type events, GT3s, etc. A lot of the drivers in Speedway, uh, as long as you're race fit and you've got that muscle memory connection to brain reaction, whatever, um, their age is no limit. You know, look at some, look at Mad Men and, and the sprint cars. You look some of the late model drivers that come over from the States for our series here. Um, you're not talking about 20 year olds dominating. Yeah. You know, it is. Um, yeah. And I mean, you even look here in Perth um, at sort of the age of our consistent podium getters and yeah, it's, it's not, not people my age it's yeah older so yeah um, I've got a lot to learn from them um and yeah i guess all of our, us younger people do so yeah so you definitely got time on your side there yeah now when you're not being human resources consultant when you're not studying when you're not racing and tinkering on the car what do you get up to do you have any spare time sleep 
Yeah, <laughs> sleep. Um, well, I guess I've actually sort of, uh, now fun fact, but uh, delved into singing a bit more. So, um, and I'm not, I'm not going to demonstrate. Um, <laughs> but yeah, in my spare time, um, yeah, I, I sing. I used to play piano, um, but I don't have a piano where I live now. Um, or I sew. So um, I, yeah, got my sewing machine set up. Um, so I do little crafty things too. So I'm oh. you give out a little secret is that I've actually looked at your Instagram profile and I have um, seen some of your songs. <laughs> um, so if anyone wants to check out Laura's singing, make sure you go across to her Instagram profile. Um, oh, I know what we can campaign, campaign for now. Laura to do the uh, national anthem at the Plex before the race and then jump in the car and rip it. Yeah, that'd be awesome. <laughs> I mean, that'd be a pretty cool video, but... I'm not that brave yet. Not in front of audiences. <laughs> oh, no, you've been knocking out of the park. <laughs> but what if we just like put a big mobile phone cut out in front of you and just hold it up and then you can just sing to that and ignore everyone else that's yeah, in the... You know, my work. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay. The... You are an ambassador of the Miracle Babies Foundation. Yep. And that is to do with babies that are prematurely born. And I believe that's a very close to your heart foundation. Yeah. So Miracle Babies is um, Australia's leading foundation supporting sick and prem newborns. Um, I was born nine weeks premature. Um, the foundation didn't exist when I was born. Um, but I wanted to be involved in something that I could use my height um, positively for because uh, I do get questions of, you know, why are you so little? Um, and, yeah, it's because I'm, because I'm prem. Um, and, yeah being able to direct people to somewhere that has information um, and also uh, to help other prem babies that, that might not have had the same um, opportunities that I had um, to help them and their family. So they have um, like uh, support networks, it's called Nurture Group. So other prem babies can all um, play together, but also the parents can come together and they've got that support. So I've been to a couple of them uh, just as a guest and to see how they work and, and to meet the families involved. And it's it's been really, really lovely. Um, and it's it's nice knowing that that support is out there now um, because it wasn't when I was a baby and I know it would have helped my family a lot. And I think it's great, you know, a lot of the um, various you know, people we've interviewed have their own you know, little, um, yeah. that they're involved with, you know, outside of motorsport and it's, you know, not necessarily, you know, just a motorsport related charity. Um, you know, you've got April Welsh who's, you know, heavily involved with type 1 diabetes and um, various uh, groups and charity groups around there. Um, Nick Perkout was the... the um, Black Dog Foundation. Um, I hope I called it the right one. Um, yeah, and there's just so yeah. many, you know, motorsport people that back these other, you know, these foundations and these charity organisations. Um, and it's not just for the for the cameras, you know. It's obviously something that that is near and dear to your heart and near and dear to heart to everyone else. You know, they're, they're various things. And I think, you know, that again is another thing that a lot of people don't realise about motorsport people is it's not just they just chuck on their helmet, red mist descends and off they go. Um, you know, they, there's actually, you know, they're actually pretty cool people. Um, and that's, that's part, you know, they 10 episodes in and that's, I'm loving, loving learning all these cool little things about people. Um, yeah. You know, yeah. Yeah. No, he's spot on. I think like, like to, to do motorsport, any form of motorsport, um, we're pretty privileged, you know, like it's, it's, it's not cheap. It takes a lot of time. You've got to be pretty driven. So I think if you give someone that is, is driven in life and has the opportunity to do something more, it'll come out in motorsport. And then you'll see that they, they do that in all aspects of their life, be it health or charity, um, you know, promote a cause, volunteer. Um, you know, it's, it's one of those unsung things about motorsport that, generally benefits the entire community people don't don't get it likewise with tourism dollars you know motorsport brings a hell of a lot more than just a driver and a mechanic 
you know it's um just one of those unsung things that yeah you, you put people together that are driven and have the ability to do more than just sit on the couch and eat chips you will see great things i think too it brings people together um so yeah i know for me it's it's potentially people that um aren't exposed to racing as well um but obviously how um you mentioned the Black Dog Institute. It's really good to have those conversations as well. Um, and the work that April does um, to bring attention to that, I think it's all really important. Um, but yeah, we're, we're uniting areas that potentially people didn't or mm. think about being involved in motorsport. So, yeah. Absolutely. And like with the Prim stuff, there's probably <laughs> parents that you get to meet in these groups that, that you know, might, might not be thinking of the positive side of it or seeing how, you know, how far, you know, someone like yourself can go. It's, it's, it's really cool. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah. I mean, I was like, I was born without fingernails or eyebrows or anything kind of thing. And um, I just think it's a strength to then be able to be doing this kind of sport. Um, and I, I want other prem babies or grown up babies, um, but their parents as well to know that, you know, being prem isn't a limitation and, you know, by nowadays standards, nine weeks isn't, um, isn't too concerning, but you know, I was, I was, my parents were told that um, there would only be a small chance that I'd survive. So, flipping that and looking where I'm now um, is is really, really awesome. Um, and yeah, I, I think my parents are pretty proud of where I've ended up. <laughs> so yeah, I want to be able to inspire others that yeah, you're not you're not limited by you know what's happened to you or or, or who you are. Um, you can do anything. The if you weren't racing, what do you think you'd be doing? I've never thought about that. Um, I don't know. Maybe I would have stuck um, with my legal studies a bit earlier. So potentially I'd be a lawyer and that would be my whole life. Um, <laughs> I won't lie, though. There was... um. Uh, a couple of years ago, um, I was in, in different circumstances and I did try and distinguish myself um, out of racing. So I, I stopped racing a fair bit. I was only doing maybe one or two meetings a year um, because I really wanted to separate who I was and racing. But um, yeah. I've done full three and back in racing my whole life. Um, it just, you know, once you have something that you love, it's really difficult to turn away from it. Um, and I've realised as well, having started I guess my journey really started when I was, you know, probably born really because I've been around other forms of motorsport since forever. Um, you know, I had my first motorbike at five, um, going to Speedway then, thinking that this is what I wanted to do at 10, getting a car at 11 and, and haven't really stopped. So, yeah, I, I can't pick what I do because, yeah, this is this is it now. You're stuck mm -hmm. with me. I'm stuck racing. <laughs> oh, it's it's worse than drugs, man. Motorsport is a hell of a disease. Yeah. Like you can't. Yeah, it's such a shame it's legal because it's <laughs> yeah, you just you can't well, you can't stop. You know, like I had a when I was um, you know, working on rigs overseas and and flying around the world chasing all those adventures. Um, yeah, it's there's no. I was a miserable human being, being away from it. So you can't. Yeah, you can't get away from it, man. You get stuck in your brain. I think it's that adrenaline as well. Um, yeah, like as you're waiting to get out on the dummy grid, I, I get quite nervous, but I love it. Like I love the feeling of the adrenaline going through me, not knowing what's going to happen. And yeah, you kind of don't really get that reading emails and <laughs> stuff like nah. that. So yeah, nah. back in motorsport. <laughs> you're the biggest machine I could find. So yeah, no, you don't get that from golf, Andrew Stevens. <laughs> Um, circuit races all have their ultimate teammates and you know partners that they'd love to be involved with in motorsport. For me, looking at I guess Speedway, I would think it's more of a solo driver type. Yeah, you do get teams. Yeah, yeah. I know there's still teams, but um. If you were able to have a partner in racing or, you know, in your team from any era, any type of racing, circuit, speedway, whatever, would you have an ultimate teammate? Um, I can't think 
from Cars, but if I could pick anyone, I would pick Casey Stoner. Um, I know it's quite, ah. but I am a massive fan, and I think the way that he looks at things is really good, um, like very calculated. Um, yeah. I don't want to say Daniel Chiato because I feel like everyone would pick him. Um, so I'll go with Casey Stoner. <laughs> no, it's Kate. That's a cool one. Everyone's um, uh, center has been all the the main choice so far. I don't think anyone's actually said Daniel. Wow. Uh, I, I'd pick yeah. him more for his sense of humor. Um, yeah. I reckon. Oh, man. He's got an infectious smile, kind of like yours. Yeah. It's just that massive smile. Casey Stoner's <laughs> a good one, man. He is a massive achiever. Yeah. Um, and he's coming back too. There was an article earlier this week, I might have been last week, that he wants to get back involved again and help some yeah. of the setup side of stuff, maybe. Um, yeah. Yeah, it'd be interesting, interesting to see. Because um, I know he's been supportive of um, Jack Miller making the move into Ducati. So that's really exciting. Mm. I'll be keeping my eye out. Yeah, absolutely. Now, you have a very funny story with Daniel, Daniel Ricciardo. <laughs> From uh, back when you were 13, uh, the Perth Speed Fest was on. And leading up to that, uh, Daniel, I believe, was at a track. And you were waiting to go on. What did you do to Daniel? So, yeah, he was walking across the dummy grid. And I was very, very keen to get onto the track for my practice session. And I basically stopped in front of him and revved my engine. I had no idea who it was. I was just like, <laughs> <laughs> I'm so embarrassed flip, now. Flipped them off at the same time. <laughs> I would never. Um, but yeah, I just, you know, if I had known who he was, I think I would have jumped out of my car and been like, oh my gosh, like, can I, can you sign my car? Um, yeah. But no, instead I just decided to rev my engine at him, poor guy. <laughs> and, and stare him down through your, through your terror. <laughs> your visors. I'm watching you. <laughs> I see you oh, on the that's, track. <laughs> that's brilliant. Yeah. Did he react to that at all? Or did he look over at you or did he just keep wandering on? Just kept walking, yeah. I think he was on his way to like the viewing platform. But yeah, I was just like, I don't care who you are. I'm here to race. <laughs> <laughs> Never watched the whole time hoping you wrecked. Yeah. <laughs> oh no. Oh, that's hilarious. That's gold though. <laughs> oh, that's fantastic. So I guess if he watches this, I am so sorry. Like, please don't jinx <laughs> me. <laughs> um we'll we'll tag him in it. Um I won't bother sending it to his PR people because yeah. <laughs> Um but yeah, no, we'll tag him in it and we'll see if we maybe make a little clip of that little bit and <laughs> tagging in it until he either blocks me or uh finally just responds you know but um yeah no i i thought that was pretty cool yeah that was yeah that's hilarious you you appeared at the festival with him and that was um you know who else was actually at that festival besides daniel um, i don't remember too much of that one um i remember the later one um but I can't think of everyone's names. <laughs> That's all right. Look, I'm shocking with names. I, I think um, I kept Boris. Lauren and I was like, Lauren, I know it's Laura, Lauren, Laura, Laura. Laura. Well, I answered to Lauren anyway, so it's all good. <laughs> Fair enough. Now, it's the time of the uh, episode where um, we hand over to Brent. Drum roll. And, um, for, a, yeah, for a few questions. Um and then we'll be back for a quick chat and then uh yeah good luck enjoy over to you brent no all right no i'll, I'll go easy laura um it's it's not too bad um i normally nerd out about the technical side of things but late model racing um a lot it's massively popular uh, in Australia, it's getting huge in WA. Like you're seeing bigger fields in late models than you are in sprinters now. So when you know at, at the big shows, it is it is wicked to see. Um, I, from your average circuit guys, they, they just you can't believe how insane these cars are. The amount of adjustability in them, uh, the amount of gear in them for a speedway car is is next level. Um, but can you explain, in, in your words, how much of a step up from um, Prodies, um, and or for people who don't know, like a sedan-based semi-OEM type platform, it is to a proper chassis complete race car. 
I feel like they're two completely different worlds, um, honestly. Uh, so with the Sigma, I would, I'd really be able to get in there and help. Um, you know, I've, I've took down motors and helped putting them back together, but I wouldn't know where to start with this one. Um, you know, it's, I feel very uh, bad admitting this, but I only found out like a few weeks ago that there's five shocks, not four. Um, I feel like I probably yeah. should have known that earlier. So I'm sorry for my fellow racers. I'm still learning. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it's just, just so different. Um, and getting under the car and seeing everything that's there, it's, it's yeah, you can't compare it. Um, oh, no, they, they blow me away. I had no idea. Like I always knew they had uh, extra shockies in the back. Um, I had no idea there was a transversal one in the car as well, um, as well as all the chocks you use. It's, it's nuts. Um, yeah. So the cars are, are vastly different. They're an, they're an engineered race car from the get-go. Um, they have a lot of stance or attitude, the way they, they, they turn, the way they sit on the track, um, yet different to a, a sprinter in that regard. Um, how, how did you learn to drive? Like, obviously, it's so different than sitting in a normal car that reacts to normal inputs you know, to a point, you know, like you get a bit oversteer and you drive into it and you power out with a normal production car. Now, these things are so much wilder with so much more power and such a bigger tyre. What did you do to get into the mindset for that? How did you adapt quickly to that? Because you're not slow. You're not, you're not running around the, the inside line just keeping out of the way. You're, like, you're giving it a crack. Yeah, I think... Um... But probably what has helped a lot is my first run um, in the late model. I actually didn't have, um, I didn't have brakes. So um, that's, that's enabled me to think more about throttle control. And, you know, saying that, I feel like every single time I've um, changed divisions, I've had some sort of issue with uh, brakes or the clutch. So um, it's uh, kind of uh, adapting to, to what you have. So um, that's really helped me not focus too much on the brakes and more on that throttle control um, on the race events and, and at practice sessions at the motorplex. Um, but yeah, it's kind of just forgetting everything that I thought I knew about cars <laughs> and just learning as I go. So the biggest thing for me that um, I need to work on um, when I get back on the track is uh, not decelerating too much going into the corner. Um, that's the really big killer for me at the moment um, because as soon as you lose power, your car doesn't stand right um, as you go around and you're, you're kind of just heading straight to the fence. So it seems counterproductive of getting when you're getting into a bit of trouble or going into the corner to, to be, you know, on the accelerator. But, um, yeah, that's what you need to do. And I started doing it really well in um, the last practice session that I did. So I'm excited to build on that because I, I didn't get to, to have a full run um, at the last motorplex because we rained out. But, yeah, it's... Um, I'm, I won't lie, I am really happy with, with how I am picking it up, um, but it's just then remaining consistent and um, keeping those laps up there and learning from, from the faster guys as, as they head around me. Um, but, yeah, it's really, really good. Very different. Wicked. Um, so can you tell us a bit more about the chassis you have and the body you have on it? How did you, what, did you get it locally? Did you bring it in? Um, how did it happen? Yeah, so we were very lucky to pick up um, Ken McPherson's last car um, and things moved really quickly. So Dad and I had always thought about jumping into late models and we didn't really make that a secret when we were in Proties. Um, and then, yeah, this year everything kind of aligned. Um, we were building an FG um, in productions and that's what we were going to do. But when we looked at the costs, the costs of finishing it versus jumping into late models were about the same. Um, so we were like, stuff it, let's get a late model. <laughs> um, and I, I basically, uh, I called my dad one night and was um, uh, gave an emotional plea, I guess, saying that, um, you know, this is, this is what I want to do. Um, I'm going to commit to this 100%. Um, I'm not going to let you down. I'm not going to let our sponsors and our team down. Um, so, yeah, we made that jump. And, you know, even if we did um, keep going with the FG, I would have I would have done um, the best I could anyway. But, yeah, the late model has always been the dream of mine. Um, and, yeah, a joint effort to, to get that on track. Um, and, yeah, just it's – I'm so excited. I'm so excited to keep going and learn, so. Yeah. Um, so, I mentioned the, the late model category in WA is, is enormous. Like, there's, it's a big category. You've got some – long long running legends in there um some people that have been in the game for a long time like the nylanders um you know he's he's doing a, some really good stuff at the moment 
for the category. Um, everyone in there is hustling pretty hard. Um, is there anyone in the category that you want to give a shout out to or anyone that's like going out of their way to help you guys out or you're just doing the Kalgoorlie thing and just flying, flying your own thing? Um, look, I think everyone is, is being really helpful. Um, the old fields, especially cause this is an ex old field car. Um, so they've been great. Nudge has been great as well. Um, even he keeps me in line. Um, <laughs> um, yeah, even like Veronica has given me some good tips about, um, you know, keeping my strength up and, and that. Um, Holmes, he's got a practice on for us. So that's great that he's, um, he's letting me have a go too. But I mean, pretty much everyone has been really, really great towards me. Um, and I, I appreciate that so much, um, not only for, for being, you know, new blood in the sport, but also without having that friendly atmosphere and us all helping each other out, the sport isn't going to grow. So, um, yeah, it's just really good good to be involved and um i hope that i can do everyone proud oh no definitely doing that um so the one thing that i wasn't 100 percent aware of and then now uh, and i learned it from you about the sealed engines so late models i always understood had the big blocks in them and they you know they had um, bigger donks in the sprinters uh they had different controls in place but there's also the crate engine Guys, and you guys obviously have one of the sealed crate engines based on a on a bigger capacity LS. Um, how how does um, it's more cost effective? Obviously, um, do you see an advantage or a disadvantage there? Is there more twos and pros other than the cost side of it, and it's easier? Um, and how much of the category is on one or the other? Well, for us just starting out, um, the crate engine is is the best option really um, because, yeah, we're, we're not out to win at the moment, although that, that would be amazing. Um, it's very much about just getting the laps and the crate motor is, is sufficient for that. Um, this motor has shown to be really, really good as well. Um, Ken's had some really good good times in it in the development series um even even in the pro series he's, he's done all right so um i think too uh, it depends on the track of how your crate engine's going to go compared to to the other guys um because yeah when when the track's different they're not as competitive as those crate engines so um it's it's kind of like the um carbies versus fuel injected in um production yeah. stands so yeah it's it's anyone's game it really is just going to depend on the track so yeah yeah cool so speaking of the track um and this is again for for the our circuit guys that are watching this a lot of them some of them have experience in speedway a lot of them don't um, or they just don't get it so you have you know a slick track uh single line no cushion high cushion um they're all sort of normal normal terms for you guys how does it um, can you explain how these relate to the way you drive a late model or how you drive? Obviously, with the Prodi, you just got up high and fanged around the outside. These things turn very differently. Um, you know, like, can you sort of explain in your words what you like, what you don't like? Um, yeah. I feel like I probably don't have enough um, hours yet in the late model to say what I do and don't like. But um, I know when I when I was doing my first practice sessions, it was completely dry track and, and ruddy. But I absolutely love that. I was pretty much, well, I wasn't going flat out, but I felt like I was going flat out. Um, but Dad actually pulled me and he's like, no, nah, you, you're going too fast for your first run. So I was like, okay. So I kind of like the dry tracks, but I know that, um, yeah, the crate engines aren't as effective when it's like that. But um, yeah, it's all it's all different and all learning at the moment. So yeah. No, that, well, that's cool. And then you mentioned um, you know the development series and the pro series. Again, a lot of people don't realise how much racing there actually is, especially when you open up the speedway world. So how does that work? Is the development series off season at the country tracks, or yeah, you know, what's what's the mo there for people that might not get it? Yeah, so the Pro Series is um, what the Perth Motorplex put on and that is pretty much non-stop from October to about April. Um, and then after that, so that's the summer season, it then moves on to the winter season. Um, and so that usually is uh, Kellebaron and Ellenbrook for um, for the late model rounds. And I think there was uh, maybe eight planned, but uh, that's all pending now, depending on um, which tracks allow us it, I think there might be two at Ellenbrook, so obviously that's not a whole heap of laps for us. Um, but, yeah, I'm just going to go with the flow and, and take whatever I can get in terms of track time. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, so five years' time, 
uh, where do you see yourself racing? Um, you know, you've always been in tin top cars. Will you ever make the switch to an open wheeler um, or are you going to chase an American dream and, and take a win at Eldora? I, I think chasing the American dream. I, I don't really have um, any motivation to jump into like a sprint car or anything like that. Um, I really like sedans and to me, the late models are, are the top of the sedan. So I'm, I'm right where I want to be. And uh, I just really want to keep, doing my laps, getting better. Um, you know, I'd love some podium finishes and then to be able to jump over to America, that would be awesome in five years. Yeah. Wicked. And have you, have you started to make any contacts over in America or are you already starting pushing over there or? I have a couple from, um, productions, uh, as well. So the Proddies followed the, um, late model invasion tour, a, a few years back, so doing Albany um, and the tracks down there. So yeah, there were a few um, few teams that I kept in touch with um, through that, and then obviously yeah, the late model invasion tour again this year. Um, yeah, made sure I, I had a chat to to people. So um, yeah, I'll do the same this year. I like making friends. <laughs> yeah, I oh, know that's the way to do it, and that's that's how the industry works. You've yeah. got to get off your ass and and talk to people, and then you realise that everyone's just humans. There's no you know, yeah. that's cool. Um, so your dad, I've managed to meet your dad as well. Um, he loves his racing. He's, he's a hell of a rad dude. Um, I heard a rumor that he's getting ready to actually get into the seat. Can you tell us about that little adventure and are you going to join him? Yeah. So, um, dad has done a couple of demo derbies now and, um, it sort of popped up as one year ago. So I've said to him, would you like to do another? And he's lining that up. And I've said, if you're doing one, I'm doing one. So my bucket list. So, um, yeah, there might be a Team Red Shamrock Racing Demo Derby team coming to you soon. <laughs> you guys are mad. That's mad. I, I won't lie. I am a little bit terrified. Um, it's kind of like, yeah, Speedway is a non-contact sport, but, you know, you get into accidents every now and then. But going into something where your purpose is to try and hit people, um, We'll see what I can do. <laughs> oh, it's it's bananas. It always ends up in front of the flag point. That whole like yeah, it's been it's yeah, uh, awesome. Um, so you've been lucky enough to chase some of the national rounds around WA. Have you been interstate with the prodigy? yet? You went to New Zealand, which is awesome. So um, yeah, what's your favourite track you've driven onto? Um, Kalgoorlie is a pretty legendary track. I'm not sure where you drove in New Zealand, but yeah, what's your favourite track? Um. It's probably the Perth Motorplex. Um, I feel like, how much are they paying me for this? But no. Oh, um, the Motorplex is. Yeah. yeah, the facilities are really good. And um, the track is, is always um, really, really nice. I, I enjoy a, a big track. Um, yeah, Kalgoorlie is great. I always have a soft spot for that because um, that's about a 500-meter track as well. Um, and, yeah, is, is the, the old home track. Um, but Albany is also pretty neat too. Um, another, another big track, but, um, yeah, it's a, a bit of a different surface. Um, and the, the proddy loves it anyway, that high line down there is so good. <laughs> yeah. So it sounds like you like the big track. So you just like going fast. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, I thought the, the motorplex, like people don't realize that and like people that have traveled and, and speed, I do, but. For your local average Perth person, the Motorplex is Hollywood. Mm. It is an amazing venue. There's not many like that around the world, let alone just in Australia. It is an amazing, amazing place. Um, so that's cool. Um, any, there's one question I always ask. Have you got any weird traditions or superstitions or little things that you do before you race? Any just weird things that, that only you do or you think's a bit strange or you don't want to tell anyone, but you can tell everyone now. Um, nice. We've had a couple that have been common, which is funny. <laughs> oh, Dad and I have um, a secret handshake uh, that we have put online <laughs> in one of our videos. But, um, yeah, I don't know how, how it happened, but it's quite a long handshake sequence. And then we, we say shake and bake, um, obviously from Talladega Nights, the best movie in existence. <laughs> yeah. um, and then I do um, – uh, it's called Guilty Pleasure Dance and it's not inappropriate, I swear. Um, it's by Cobra Starship and they kind of go like this. So um, I do that in my race helmet after the yeah. season. <laughs> <laughs> that, no, that's wicked. That's weird enough. Oh, yeah. No. no, the secret handshake's cool, the Guilty Pleasure Dance. Um, <laughs> that's that's um, 
you know, probably the name is something you'd, you'd see up at the Hidden Valley Hotel. But, um, yeah, that's, that's unreal. Um, so, obviously, 26, massive athlete, stellar outperformer, career-wise, killing it, you know. So, in the HR game, in a male-dominated sort of industry as well, the, the one you're in, um, you know, being the whole FIFO type gig. Um, and then law degree working towards that. Um, pretty intimidating stuff. How do you get, and this is something probably everyone's going to ask, how do you get on in the dating world with um, just being a massive outperformer, a volunteer, a superstar driver, um, and just generally a hard ass? Um, well, I guess at the moment there hasn't been much time for dating um, because the late model takes up a lot of time. But, um, yeah, I don't know. Uh, from my experience, it's um, different because, yeah, obviously I have the motorsport side and that can be intimidating or off-putting for some people. But then also, yeah, what I am um, have studied and, and are doing for work, it's kind of sometimes considered two different worlds. So, I just need someone that likes both as well. <laughs> yeah, don't think it's going to happen. Uh, <laughs> no, no, like it's, yeah, because most, I mean, I'm lucky. I'm married to an absolutely amazing woman. So, I mean, I hit the jackpot there. I don't even need to buy a lot of tickets anymore. Um, <laughs> but for most guys, it's probably pretty intimidating. So, it's like, man, it's probably something people want to know. How, like, yeah. But you're that dedicated to the late models. Guys can go get nicked. That's good. Cool. Um, I'm not going to ask any more dumb, nerdy questions. I got the I got the goss on the goodness about the the sealed engine. Um, the the reason I asked about that, Laura, because I don't know if you follow it, but if you don't follow it, you have to follow it. So you've probably seen the the keyboard race that we have here in Australia that does all the the speedway yeah. memes, takes the yeah. takes the Mickey out of all the sprinter guys. In the states, there's one the infield tractor tire, and he is whoever he is, he is hilarious. He comes out with some absolute corkers. But he's always on a rant about sealed engines in late models. So, yeah, get onto that one. The late, uh, the infield tractor tire. It's a page, and the memes are glorious. And, Am I going to yeah. feel self-conscious now though about having a crate engine? No, no, no. Because it's <laughs> like you, you read the chat. Because it's because America is so big. Because the racing is so huge over there. You look at the, you know, the the chat stuff under some of his memes, and there it is. It's war. It's hilarious. There's so much passion over one or the other over there. It's, yeah. um, I think they're great. Anything to control some costs um, and to get, if it's getting you more laps, that's far better than having a one-show wonder because mm. there's only the top, you know, percentage of people can afford to keep chasing that. So, yeah, it's good. Rightio, so going to wrap things up. Um, we've kept you here for, um, for the hour. Um, question behind you. You have an amazing wall of trophies. Which one up there is your favourite? Um, I will grab it. Yep. It is this one. I don't know if you can read it, but um, it's the Kalgoorlie Open Club Championship first place. So this was in juniors. Um, so for me, this is like the highlight of my racing career because um, it was the number one thing you could win in Kalgoorlie. So, um, yeah, we didn't think we were going to win it. We had a few car issues but ended up doing a high line, just went around the outside, made my own line and ended up scoring the win. So, um, yeah, I think it's those un unexpected wins as well are always the, um, the best. So my name's on a plaque up there and that will be my, um, my contribution to Kalgoorlie Speedway. <laughs> uh -huh. Fantastic. Um, now, for anyone that hasn't seen it, uh, Laura was involved in the this year's Women in Motorsport feature that I did up uh, and was on Drive Tribe and a few other things. Uh, one of the, It'll be one of these sides. I'll put a link up, whichever one it ends up on. Make sure you go check it out. Check out all the, all the women that were involved with that and, of course, um, Laura's chat as well. Um, thank you very much for coming on. Uh, it's been a fantastic pleasure to have you Join us for the 10th episode. Um, before you go, is there anyone at all that you just love to give a little hello to or whatever? Insert sponsor. Yeah. 
well, my dad, hey, dad. Um, but no, definitely my marketing partners. Um, without them, we wouldn't be able to, to have Red Tremont Racing and we wouldn't have been able to make the move um, into late models. So Corcott and Downey Engineering Services, um, who've been with us since since day one, pretty much. Thank you, guys. Um, thanks for keeping the late models safe as well. Um, also, thank you to Wilshaw Engineering. Um, they, again, have been with us for a really long time and we really appreciate that. Um, Fuchs Lubricants, um, we just got a special delivery from them, so that is our weekend plans. Um, but, yeah, they're absolutely amazing with all the different um, oils that we get from them. Um, also, e-fire and safety with a last name like Burns, you definitely need the right fire equipment. <laughs> so um, thank you to them and also Regent Pearls, um, who are based up in Broome. Um, thanks for coming on board this season and supporting us with great pearls. So <laughs> and thanks for having me. Thank you to you guys. No, that's good. No, we're stoked to have you, man. Yeah. Uh, people like yourself racing and, you know, putting so many hours and so much money into it and, you know, it just gives us a good chance to dribble some crap and, you know, talk, uh, you know, talk about motorsport, you know, which we love. And, yeah. Uh, to talk to the lovely people involved that like yourself. And, you know, thank you very much for joining us. Hopefully racing for you guys will resume. October, I think, is it? I'm not sure. I think we might get a, a couple of runs um, at Ellenbrook. And oh, the, yeah, sorry. Again. So, yeah, maybe next month, fingers crossed. Fantastic. Well, um, keep an eye on that. Uh, and, yeah, episode 11 next week, Brad Jones joining us. So, um, yeah, hopefully. Yeah, let's just get Laura back. <laughs> I'll be a new host. No. <laughs> yeah, here we go. <laughs> oh, there's something there. Um, yeah, so thank you, everyone. Uh, make sure you jump on. We are on iTunes, Spotify, iHeartRadio, YouTube, Facebook, and, of course, the website, behindthesportpodcast.com. Uh, some big things coming to that. Uh, also, the MNDI Sim Racing event coming up. Um, Make sure you check that out as well. We're out. Catch you later.